Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Deeper Current podcast. I am your host, Hannah Ruth Dyson, founder of Soul Seed Gathering, mapping the deep feminine and earth-based cultures across the world and across time, and women change world, looking at the how we do things as well as the why and the what. Uh, inviting us to enter into flow and work through seasons of change. And yeah, back for another solo episode. And yeah, wow, what interesting, powerful uh, times we're in. (laughs) I'm hoping that if you've been part of this community, you've been part of my work in any way, Um, You've been able to embrace change and you've already um, been part of the deeper unrooting of our history, of our stories, of the way things are, the way we do things. And this um, is just maybe an increase of (laughs) the energy of working with change. Um, I have been kind of amazed just... Um, watching the amount of people on my social media who seem to be kind of um, rocked as if like this is the first time they're realizing, you know, some of these issues and first time recognizing, oh yeah, I should do this kind of work or I should be part of this or I should be paying attention and listening to other voices. Um, And then at the same time, I just, understand that this has been such an inherent part of my journey I've not been able to leave um, stones unturned I've had to keep seeking out you know knowledge and voices and it's become a huge part of my work and my journey as I've shared previously but yeah it surprised me back in 2017 when a lot of this sort of languaging came to the forefront um, specifically on social media it became much more widely known and spread uh, the use of like white privilege, white supremacy, um, you know, racial inequality. These kind of things became sort of came to the forefront more so. And while a lot of that language was also new for me, the work, the actual deeper work involved had been, again, a necessary part of my work and my journey, um, which just deepened with the movement increasing and more attention um, brought to it. But again, I was kind of surprised, like, oh yeah, wow, many people have never stopped to really think um, about these issues. And maybe people, I think, believed that racism was kind of dying out, things were getting better, the realities weren't really being faced up to, or, um, you know, to give us credit, like many people credit, like they haven't been taught shown the this this understanding of reality um but back in 2017 a lot of this came out and so I guess I expected everyone to be in their own way doing this work from then and just to witness at this time so many people acting like oh no this is the first time I'm really doing this is going like oh okay um you know this language has been around this knowledge has been around you can't pretend you didn't know um this stuff was being talked about but I guess it's this perfect storm we have right now of uh, perhaps more time um, being in quarantine being in lockdown just things slowing down long enough to really um, 
pay attention to this and maybe it's also waves of change you know the first wave comes the second the third and then finally um you you take a look at it because you can't avoid it anymore and this comes back to a huge component of the work I teach with for women who want to change the world which is radical non-avoidance how to move through life and just really ask ourselves what am I avoiding and especially these bigger things in our society that are very uncomfortable to look at it's really important to go there right like whatever we're avoiding is holding us back in some way it's blocking us it's blinding us it's making us less able to show up and again the name of that project for when i want to change the world is just a call to action if we really want to change the world which i you know i think many of us do we want to be at least part of the the change we want to be part of the good um that we need to go there so this invitation um is always there um and of course i i also have the utmost compassion because once again i mean this has been my my journey for um you know i'd say 10 years at least of kind of unraveling um deeply kind of the stories and 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 ways we've been taught or told knowledge in our schooling and our society and, and what we're shown in media uh, there's a lot and once you begin to unravel it begins to really you're like pulling a thread to all things and that is really scary like really scary I just want to acknowledge that because our sense of control of knowing what is going on <laughs> becomes unraveled and uh, just <laughs> um yeah think about that a little bit more deeply this is the deeper current podcast it's like um this you know feeling of being control is like very a natural i think want to feel like we know what's going on um and kind of uh, ironically or i don't know just interestingly enough the more i've embraced the chaos and the unknown the more I feel at peace with it, you know, it's like, it's not a control, but I feel like, okay, I know what I don't know, which is, you know, everything, but um, there's such a freedom to it. So it's like, it's not just heavy and hard and uncomfortable and painful and um, inducing anger and, and all these things, which it, which it does. That's, that's the reality of, digging deep um it's also uh liberating and joy and blissful and you you always hear me talk about this because i just want to keep marrying that and again this work this deeper work has been the undercurrent of everything i've done and i've just been like okay how do we really change things how do we really look at things and it's like really looking at all things and looking at what i you know i'm skilled at and what i'm good at and what i can contribute and share but I very purposely have focused on the celebration and joy and beauty because that's like something we can all like feel attracted to and want to come back to. And, you know, alongside it is this deeper change that's just so natural and um, cumulative and so forth. Um, but yeah, um, I hope you're looking after yourself again. It's so necessary to take self-care um, as vital is important again we're not really useful to anything anyone any movement if we're not in our power if we're not 
uh, taking care of ourselves. We're not going from an overflowing cup again. You've often heard me say we don't. No one wants to feel our guilt or shame or discomfort. That's our stuff to work through. And then the more we do, the more we can actually show up in the way that's also very natural to us. Like whatever it is, we're all here to be part of the change. And if it's an artist, a writer, um, a sculptor, a poet, a speaker, a teacher, uh, you know, movement meditation um scientist doctor whatever whatever role you find yourself drawn to like trusting that also trusting what you feel excited by and what maybe also comes easily to you it doesn't have to also be hard it doesn't also have to be something you have to prove something that comes very naturally that people it's like it's kind of weird to figure out because you're like doesn't that come easy to everyone because it comes easy to you you just you assume and then you start to realize I think more and more on the human journey wait there this this is something that doesn't come so easily to others Uh, and that's our gifts these are the hidden treasure that we can begin to unearth and bring out into the world and I can just speak from my own experience that when it is met with this deeper work this deeper excavation of truth, of reality, of change, of, you know, of the problems, not turning our back away from the pain um, of the world and of ourselves, then whatever it is that we do just has more power to it. Like we're able to really stand in the love and the light because we are doing this deeper work constantly. And I think the kind of attack on love and light is the kind of superficial side of it where people are, um, constantly avoiding and uh, just distracting and trying to like say no it's peace and love and not actually facing the reality of their own dysfunctions or the world's dysfunctions and you know I've I fell, fallen prey for that also you know it's like a it's a grasping at the comfort um, because of course we all believe in love and peace and and all those things uh, it's like the greatest force you know in the universe I truly believe love it's like it's everything um and love also means you know embracing the pain and embracing all the things that are really wrong it's like how big can our love be how can it embrace you know the darkest things in our world and our humanity um it's needed it's so needed um And it's just, yeah, part of this work that we also get to keep returning to, this well of love that keeps filling us up, that allows us to show up and take action and use our voice to move past discomfort. You know, it's like a very real thing to fear being wrong, to fear being bad, to fear doing the wrong thing, um, for using our voice. Um, It's just, again, a very scary thing, putting our work out there into the world, our true creative power, something that we've just, like, you know, birthed from the universe. It's just come through us, and it's truly ours, of course, inspired by everything that is in our lives. But we can feel when it's something that's like a true creation but the immense amount of fear of putting that out into the world and of being seen of being appreciated of being valued but also maybe receiving criticism for something that is ours it's ours and it feels so vulnerable 
um, to do that. And that's so real. But what I found um, to get over myself <laughs> has always been to think of what the bigger purpose is, the bigger why. It helps me step out of my own bullshit. <laughs> um, and that helped me really early on with teaching and speaking in front of like a class of people was like just remembering this wasn't about me. It was about like them, the whoever's showing up. How can I like show up in the best way and get myself out of the way? Um, because the tendency is, and I work, I've worked now with a lot of women and some men who have exactly the same fears. It's very normal, you know. Um, oh, you know, like the insecurities and the fears and what if I get it wrong? What if I'm judged? Da, 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 like, um, like all that discomfort. And But when we have a higher purpose, when we're here to serve, we step out of that and we just do it anyway. It's not that it that disappears. And I think the greatest artist, I heard, I heard a quote recently from Georgia O'Keeffe, and, you know, many people have said this, like, it's not that the fear has ever gone away. I've been scared my entire life, um, but that has never stopped me from doing what I wanted to do. And that, I think that's it. That's it. The more we can become comfortable with the uncomfortable, the more we're also set free and we're also able to rise and show up in the ways that we truly are here for, the ways we are called to, um, you know, show up from the heart. And I I know I need the same encouragement constantly. I'm always um, doing this dance whenever I get any, um, you know, slight increase in attention or... Um, kind of energy coming at me I kind of want to go and hide because I part of me just loves my life and people like vying for my attention or you know just information coming at me that I need to respond to and uh, all that stuff it's made me very uncomfortable it's like uh, I just want to kind of do what I want to do and not really have that but then when I connect again to my purpose and my why why am I doing this I really care about change in the world I feel completely dissatisfied in life not being part of the change I wish to see like I could not handle the amount of intense information uh you know pain um stuff that's going on in the world unless I could channel that into my work and show up for change and then <laughs> there's no point in channeling that into the work if no one is seeing it or no one is receiving anything from it so it's like pushing me constantly to like out of my comfort zone um back you know back into the sensation of flow of just like one foot after the next you don't have to be so concerned about the big picture because sometimes I have these big visions of where I'd like to go what I, what I'd like to do kind of the success I would like to achieve all that those kind of things those kind of dreams and then it can kind of feel a bit debilitating you can feel a bit let down nothing is going quite as you like imagine in your mind things just um, have a way of winding differently like you're just showing up to work with the universe day by day what is showing up how can I show up how can I work with this um, and then this is the dance and then we get to keep um, growing and you know expanding and evolving and just doing our part and um, I think this is just a question we can ask each day like what have I done in you know some small way or some big way 
to contribute to, you know, this greater journey I wish to be on, this greater change I wish to be part of. Like, what is, what have I done something today that has moved me in that direction? And that's really all that matters. Um, and we feel when we haven't, and we feel maybe when we've also overexerted ourselves and pushed ourselves to try and do too much. It's like learning how to pace. Um, and work with that energy rightly it's so important so I wanted to start off there just by acknowledging all of us with the work that we are here to specifically do may not look like anyone else's um, while it's important to show up for like times like this and you know use our voices and to post and to share and amplify other voices it's also uh, you know sometimes some of us may be going off and doing, you know, deeper change, maybe working on bigger um, projects of like how we can show up to be, you know, part of this change that is needed. Anyway, it doesn't look always like one thing. And that's just a reminder also just to be aware of that. And again, only we know what we are really doing. And that is felt more so than you know, what could be seen necessarily or what can be projected. I think we're becoming more and more savvy to um, to superficiality, really, in general. It's just, like, so clear if someone's just posting something or, um, you know, resharing but not really, really doing anything different in their lives and not really looking at their own complicitness maybe in the problems or the shadows, you know. All of these things, it's just anyway a good reminder just to be compassionate to all others and just really focus on ourselves um, to be the change we wish to see in the world. And I wanted to, in this episode, just kind of explore with you um, some bigger arcs of history <laughs> to begin to unravel this sense of who we are, where we have come from, um, and where we can go next. And this is a big um, kind of, this is a sentence we say at Soul Sea Gathering because it's, it's part of this work of reclaiming the deep feminine and just really reclaiming all the parts of history that we have not been taught or told or shown, which is a lot. Uh, because, you know, typically history has been written by the people who have won conquests, who have uh, won wars, and um, also it's never been not subjective. It's like highly subjective history, and even by what we focus on, what we teach and what we are shown is, you know, of course, influencing us and creating our sense of reality and our sense of the world. Um, and I've, I've definitely touched on pieces of this throughout this podcast. And of course, I go all the way in with Soulsy Gathering. This is our work, um, specifically with the deep lens of the deep feminine and earth-based culture, because this is like the people's history, really. You know, because um, even if we look at wars and conquests and colonization and empire and all of these things they have been enacted actually by very few people and most of the population um, within these countries being either the victors or the um, ones being suppressed um, 
have not chosen this. <laughs> you know, they've not been part of these decision processes and we are kind of taught history as if it's ours, like this is our history. Um, but really this was just the the movement of power throughout time of people who wanted to expand their sense of um, power and control and order. And this is really the process also of civilization. Um, and I've had, I had some interesting sort of, um, DMs and comments from, um, one of my, like a couple of my social media posts on, on Instagram posts on Instagram, because I used the hashtag European history. I think it got found by some people who are really into European history who, who were kind of angry at, the way I was talking about um, colonization and it was kind of like what I sensed from one young man was that it was just like this is clearly inevitable which of course it's going to feel inevitable because <laughs> it's what's happened um, and it's also what we've been taught and told and shown but yeah let's go all the way back because history is deep it's long <laughs> And well, you know, even what we call history is kind of it's it's more like modern history, and then you you have what's called prehistory, um, which is kind of before, let's say, like agriculture was invented, and we started to build civilizations. Um, the previous to that, previous to agriculture, um, our human experience on Earth makes up at least. 95% of our human story um, at least it could be more you know <laughs> we might be a very tiny blip in human history this modern era of civilization of building empires of um, you know you know all these things uh, since again the birth of agriculture um, so it's fascinating to consider that we also don't, there's so much we don't know. This is a huge problem when we even look at prehistory. Of course, it's filled again with um, subjective opinions, bias, the way we see things, the way, you know, we're also conditioned and so forth. So this is also a huge part of Saucy Gathering. Like, well, let us look at this immense amount of the archaeological record that focuses on the feminine um, of women, of um, also, you know, um, animist culture, of also like transgender. You know, this has been throughout history examples of um, also gender fluidity, you know, like uh, just this, there's so much that's also not really talked to us or talked about that often um but it's so vast and it's kind of doesn't fit into the narrative typically that's, that's how i've begun to understand it it's like hasn't fit in with the narrative um we have this tendency to kind of you know to believe that we've been in this constant progression like we've constantly been evolving and we come from these really dumb hunter gatherers you know kind of bumping heads throwing rocks like <laughs> that's our our cultural storytelling is also what was kind of taught in history for a while um and i wonder like if you've not like thought about it more like and looked at the more recent sort of um findings on our earliest ancestors if that's just what you believe also because i think i did um 
I think I'm also being influenced by, you know, the films that we see and the um, just uh, there was a kids film program recently that I watched with my son and it was all about Stone Age people. But it was also like this kind of this dumbing down of those people. And so just going all the way back to, first of all, the Neanderthals who, um, you know, largely became extinct um, and overtaken by homo sapiens um, even though um, most of us have I think at least one to four percent of Neanderthal in our DNA so you know they clearly mated <laughs> um, and there's also now other discoveries of human uh, roots this is not my expertise but you know um, there's understandings that we didn't only come out of Africa now, that there's also um, origins of uh, people within Asia. And um, I just think there's so much we still don't know. So it's a fascinating, deep exploration, of course. Um, but what we do know, for example, about the Neanderthals, which has become a catch-all term for kind of dumb, brutish men, I would say, in our society, like it's still used in that way. But in fact, the Neanderthals had larger brains than um, Homo sapiens. This can be seen, obviously, through their skulls. And now it's thought that they, you know, they already had fire, they had tools, they were weaving, they had boats, they had trade, they had all this stuff. And this is like crazy. This is right at the very beginning. So uh, when the first humans left um, Homo sapiens left Africa. Um, we don't know what happened to the Neanderthals, but they became largely extinct. So either <laughs> there was war, either there was you know, you know, genocide by the Homo sapiens. <laughs> That's the origins of our of our species. Um, or there's also theories that um, certain viruses or diseases spread. And um, whatever the the DNA or the genetics of Neanderthals weren't prepared for it. Um, maybe Homo sapiens were more resilient um, from their environment. They could handle um, whatever it is. Maybe they had, maybe like colonization um, in the Americas to Turtle Island from uh, Europe, perhaps. <laughs> Um, people had become used to certain viruses within Africa. And then when they brought that over to Europe, um, perhaps that killed off the Neanderthals who were not um, immune. Anyway, there's all these different theories and we don't know. We will likely never know. But it's just interesting to begin there. So we, we have this early understanding of who you know, people were, of humans, like they were already highly intelligent and skilled and so forth. And of course, um, there's examples of this through Homo sapiens as well throughout time, just clearly um, deep intelligences. And we're just learning more and more about what was understood and what was known. Um, and it's fascinating, fascinating exploration. It does not seem like there has been a linear progression from, you know, dumb, brutish people to highly evolved, intelligent, technologically advanced people. Um, so this breaks down again, this complete like 
like mythology that we have of um, us being this superior civilization at this point, which is so pervasive. It's like so ingrained, I feel, into our mindset that this is like why colonization doesn't end. If we look at, um, you know, just within Europe, I mean, there's examples, again, this is, it's again, theories and so on. It's like nothing is exactly factual, but it very much looks like this is the work from Maria Gambutas and many others that just started to explore this concept that they're just became times in history where tribes were very, you know, at peace with one another side by side. They traded, they, you know, interrelated and so on. And um, the tendency was that there were always access to lots of resources and um, I guess this abundance, um, which made people peaceful. And also it seems to be a lot of a lot of evidence of female-centered societies, of egalitarian societies. You can just tell from the way, um, you know, ancient cities were uh, excavated. You can see that there was more this egalitarian way of life and that women were honored, at the very least. <laughs> Mothers were honored for the bringers of life and fertility was upheld. And um, there was just this equilibrium. It's not like to say it's a utopian fantasy, but it's like um, there was clearly a level of peace. And I think this is, again, it's like doesn't mean that there wasn't conflict, but it didn't make it this like, uh, you know, intensely um, kind of an acts of terror and um, tyranny and um, abuse and so on that, you know, has gone on um, to be created. And, and then there's examples then of, um, peoples and tri and tribes coming from colder climates where they became more desperate for resources, becoming more warlike, more um, patriarchal and, you know, male-dominated and then them slowly beginning to invade um, southern tribes and likely, you know, at first out of real need of resources, of food, of survival. Um, and then, of course, over time, this spread into more and more less of a real need but more of a just um a need of power <laughs> of needing this sense of control of just being the one in charge this became more and more um what we've come to you know understand as normal within our societies within our civilizations but um it's fascinating even for me you know a few episodes back when i spoke about i'll link the episode below but when i spoke about um, Mary Condren's work and in looking into Ireland, um, it was kind of an awakening for me in many ways, but in one of the big ways was understanding that um, I'd always felt as like the Celtic heritage was the original indigenous heritage of Ireland, Wales, Scotland, um, parts of England and also stretched into northern France, um, but then understanding that there were actually more peaceful, earth-based, egalitarian, female-focused ways of life before that, and um, the Celts overall were highly patriarchal, warlike, tribal, um, kind of just like male warrior kind of style, also some female warriors, but um, this actually like took over these like more um, peaceful egalitarian ways of life 
more connected to the earth, more connected to, you know, community and so on. It became it's still very like, you know, again, tribal and community based. And then um, the Romans came in and took over and... Um, according to Mary Condren's sort of research and her study, like at first for a lot of women, this felt like maybe a relief, like, ah, oh, Christianity might offer us, um, you know, peace again. We might not have to be in such intense uh, tribal war-like mentality. Um, but of course, very quickly realized that uh, women were completely suppressed within, you know, Christianity. And we look at the roots of Christianity um as soon as it became mainstream, let's say, it was used as a political move. It was used as political control. And then this spread became one of the most effective ways of spreading control, of taking over, of colonizing, um, of invading and of just, you know, take re like removing a way of life for people because you um, enforce this centralized hierarchy of worship and of, of, of also then control and power because um, you know indigenous based spirituality throughout the world has a tendency to be very much on the earth personal from the home maybe you have like a, a, a medicine woman or a medicine man um, but they are no higher or lower than anyone else in the village they are just part of the village ecosystem and um, and so Christianity, and I'm not saying the truth of Christianity or the the roots of Christianity, but the way it's been used, again, has been used as this um, form of creating control and slowly eroding people's um, beliefs and personal power. And, you know, suddenly the only way you can connect to God, the universe creator, is by going to a church and by listening to, um, you know, an appointed man. Um, and again, this becomes a very convenient way of of bringing people together, of mm, not just bringing people together, but, you know, creating society, creating civilization. Um, you could see when, when Christianity first kind of took hold, um, it was just the way of like politically bringing people together to fight under one um, God to, you know, to join a war because before people were like much more focused on their personal issues and uh, inter, you know, relations and problems between villages and, and families and so on. Um, and suddenly people could fight, for, you know, join a bigger cause, um, quote unquote. And so, yeah, when we understand the history of this, we begin to understand <laughs> what has taken place and how this is, hasn't really changed because uh, missionaries are still going off all over the world um, trying to erode um, indigenous people's belief systems and trying to convert um, and then people losing their connection and this concept of civilization of becoming civilized is at the very roots of our, you know, well, of our, obviously of our civilization, but you can see this like, um, so Rome, Rome took over, you know, for example, the British Isles, which is my own roots and ancestry. So that's the lens I'm speaking through, but, um, they took over and they built the roads. They, you know, they brought a lot of technology, a lot of, a lot of things, um, 
which was seen as progression, was seen as advancement. We were able then to slowly move into the industrial era and build these great cities, build these great inventions. I don't want to take away from that because we will benefit from a lot of these technological progressions and so on. But I think a huge part of this work is it's not asking us to go back. It's just asking us to remember maybe what we've lost and what deserves to be reclaimed and what also still needs to be like really changed from the root. Um, because these are, you know, huge problems again that we can see at this time. Um, but then when we, so when we understand that this is then the mindset that allowed colonization to take hold across the world is this concept that, you know, widely got spoken about and, um, shared with people was you know we are it's our duty to help civilize people you know help uh educate these savages help them you know progress like we have progressed like look at this great um you know advancements we've made and again you know many people i think have felt the loss and the disconnect and um you know felt depressed um through all of this but you know they've still seen they've been part of the conditioning that this is all progression this is all good um and so yeah this is allowed for you know imperialism colonization so on to spread and it's allowed for the most horrific things that you know have taken place genocides um just huge um, erosion of people's culture of wisdom traditions and so forth has come through this understanding and still unless we really understand that and we really let it sink in we, it's like still a lot of non-profit and aid work and charity work which is based in also still this mindset that we should educate poor people that we are here to help and save people um from far you know flung countries around the world rather than looking at the very deep and real problems within ourselves our families our communities and our societies um we would you know we're still continuing this process and of course it's not simple we live in this globalized world at this point that we do also have a duty to um repair the damage that has been done but we have to be careful how we think we are saving or helping people a huge movement of education um but rooted in the knowledge of the people like you can learn english or you could learn spanish um but it's still within your own knowledge context rather than um being taught suddenly you know british history and um european history and american history as this is like the you know the biggest thing to uphold again um this is the you know the best it completely erodes people young people it's happening all over the world indigenous people young people like denying their own ancestry and roots because they start to you know want to live like us in the quote-unquote developed and civilized world and there's huge problems with this uh, I probably don't need to tell you but just huge like uh, and a very close to home example here in Costa Rica is um, with the local Bribri indigenous people who've had a lot of missionaries coming in have had a lot of um, you know 
things coming in and um, a huge movement to educate has uh, has happened to the Brie Brie community and um, it's caused this huge problem at this point because um, a lot of young Brie Brie people like feel like oh to get to the city San Jose is like the dream because there everything is perfect and great and this is like how to be part of like you know the modern world um, and the problem is they will get to a university there they will experience the racism the um, loss of identity the denial of their own you know cultural background and um, then the shame of you know not being dressed in a certain way or looking a certain way um, and the very real problem that there are actually not jobs for them after university um, so this big lie has been sold and then they go back home and they have denied their own ancestry roots and wisdom traditions and then they've also feel broken and there's like high levels of suicide you know so this is just a very real issue um close to home and this there's examples of this all over and i just want to bring attention to this because it's just important to look and wake up at what are we putting our money to what change do we wish to see in the world well we have to get deeper into the change and actually start appreciating other cultures earth-based ways of life there's i'm sure if you're listening to the podcast you're like me i've just been so drawn to um, relearning these skills and knowledge and um, ancestral traditions that I was cut off from that I did not get raised with um, but I felt such an attraction to and not wanting to fall prey for the just stealing of other people's cultures and you know cultural appropriation it's just made me look deeper and deeper into my own ancestral roots and the immense amount of beauty and wealth of knowledge of power of just Im amazing um you know, ways of life and knowledge. Again, there's a deep intelligences that have been disregarded and suppressed and undervalued and ignored by our education systems and by, again, just our society. And so it's like reclaiming all of this. It's like, wow, the power. It's like, um, it's difficult to take in the greater arc of history because it's not so simple. It doesn't fit within these simple lines of, good people, bad people, um, you know, just these ways that can also be simplified, like to try and create change, I understand, but like we've likely all been oppressors and oppressed and, and the majority of people have been oppressed because very few people at the top were making all these decisions and to finally wake up and realize this history is not really ours it's just been like decided by you know a few and we've all like been conditioned to take part in it and just um become you know servants to it it's phew it's a lot to wake up to but also exciting time because we get to reclaim our power with spirituality um understood through our own, our own bodies through our own hearts our own connection our own movement um meditation uh, the ways we come in community and and the, the creativity and all those things we can find our connection to the greater universe in our own way and then awaken to this power um, and we get to dance with that with all others it's not then I again don't want to fall prey into like 
creating power over, which is also so rampant in, you hear me talk about it all the time, in the self-help, wellness, um, consciousness spaces. We're just so conditioned by hierarchy um, and needing to, you know, even having like followers <laughs> and being like this idea of a leader. It's like the new form of leadership. It's like acknowledging that we are all leaders and we all have something to learn from one another and we get to break down this sense of hierarchy of um, and then respecting the children their ways of seeing their ways of knowledge their way you know their ways of walking through the world that we always need to remember and then respecting the elders as being wise ones have walked upon the earth they have no matter what our grandparents have knowledge to talk about to share like they've seen things over a longer arc of time and maybe they also feel outdated or they don't like they can feel like they have um you know ways of seeing that feel also just like old and not part of it but they I will guarantee you they also will have some nuggets of wisdom and beauty and um, things that should also be honored and then you know embracing the whole age spectrum in between it's just the way again of breaking down this system of hierarchy um and just coming back into this equality, we get to create change from within by the way we show up in the world. This is why my greatest apprenticeship was through circle work, through meeting every week, no matter what, me alone or with a friend or just with many others, um, coming into circle and just <sighs> dropping down and listening and holding space and learning and just again and again witnessing how intelligent, powerful, um, gifted we all are individually, how like amazing each of our human experiences, how painful our human experiences are, and how we get to just, um, again, appreciate one another and see that everyone is going through something that we couldn't understand, you know, that it's, it can be difficult to have more compassionate, you know, um, for people. I, I, I would have moments where I would have immediate judgments when someone would walk in and I would, this practice ground, this apprenticeship again of just eroding all judgments. It just bit by bit, no judgments left because uh, as soon as we would sit into circle and drop in and someone would share from their heart, I'd be so touched. I would realize there's so much more to every given person than what we can see <laughs> and what we first meet. And so yeah again this helps this helps this helps um and then so just to go back to history class um looking to how the americas came to be formed you know taken over from turtle island and all these amazing native indigenous tribes that existed that also had tribal wars and had some you know more peaceful tribes and some more uh, patriarchal warlike tribes so um you know not to also romanticize indigenous peoples as also everything, you know, everything exists. You have also in, um, again, that recent documentary I watched, again, I'll link it below, in Borneo, you have like this beautiful, peaceful, intelligent, like kind, generous tribe, the Penan tribe, and then you had this other tribe um, not far away that were called the headhunters. They were, you know, known for in historically not anymore but they were known for um 
killing people and and taking their heads back as trophies. <laughs> you know, this exists all over the world, like the good and the bad and um, everything in between. So it's not like, again, to romanticize, but you have, um, you know, the first people coming to really settle, as it's called. And I share this beautiful quote, um, how it's not so much a settling, it's an unsettling of people, of a way of life and so on. Um, of course, you had people from Europe who were the ones who wanted the power and the control. They were elite people. And then you had also a lot of desperate people trying to escape their own level of oppression back home, their own level of just being, you know, undermined, undervalued, not being able to get work, not being able to really survive. And this promise of a new land, a new way of life. I think this was a lot of people's draw, right, to America, to build America. But of course, again, you had this elite mentality and this also, you know, the oppressed become oppressors. So you have also this also tendency that um, of belief that people need to become civilized and so this was the mindset um, that completely allowed you know the subjugation the violence the tyranny against the native people of of Turtle Island like you know the re-education the forced enslavement the you know you know forced relocation um and huge amounts of genocide and and then also just a lot of death that came from the viruses that were spread um we can see like okay this is in the very roots and foundation of our civilizations of our governments this is also slavery it was you know brought over very early on um to the americas so that was also normalized in the in the beginning and this mindset again allowed that allowed that it's like these people are clearly lesser than they're savages they could be saved by us so we can treat them like animals we can enslave people and take them from their own lands and again in africa it's complex right you had i i had the tendency at this time to like i was like researching all these amazing queens and warriors and um huge like uprisings that took place in africa which are inspiring there's a lot of rich culture knowledge just like just amazing amounts of history um that we likely were not ever taught or told either um especially if you were you know educated in america or europe um within africa but then i was also reminded recently by a beautiful quote by angela davis just like you know most people in africa were probably peasants and everyday workers and just um also oppressed people by hierarchies of power and of course there are examples um again of beautiful ways of life of indigenous of of cultures of la like ways of working together that was more egalitarian was more fair was more looking after the the community um but then also as, you know, different uh, people in power, you know, increased power, more more people tended to get oppressed and so on. And so you had, you know, still all these problems. And um, it's not to say then, like, I mean, when people came to take slaves away, it's just like brought in a whole, like, level, new level of tyranny. Like, we can actually decide this based on, color and country of origin like um 
that you are less than like this is huge and this is like such a um intense way of like i mean just roots of seeing of like belief like how this could be in anyone is kind of hard to take in but this is in the roots of our this is in our story and then our human story is this civilization of this you know way of building society and empire and so forth um and this again is in the beginnings of our um civilization and and to say like the slaves bought from africa are not the first slaves there's been slavery again throughout history they, they believe slavery really began around the time of agriculture because agriculture started to create these hierarchies and um it allowed enslavement of animals enslavement of people they say the the etymology of the word slave actually comes from slavic people um, who were slaves for other white people in Europe. And uh, there were, of course, slave. I mean, it's believed that slaves were used to build, you know, the pyramids of the, the great temples, um, like the Incan temples um, and the Mayans and so forth. So, yeah, slavery has existed, the suppression of people, the belief that one person is higher than another. But um, to really take people from rip people from their lands and take them to foreign lands um without choice and then to of course um keep them as slaves it's just this horrific part of our history that we need to not be afraid to look at and take in um and also again take care of ourselves because it's highly traumatic and it's painful but if we don't take that in we won't see what we're still perpetuating and still part of and complicit in today, not only within our own countries, how racism is so systemically rooted and still part of part of the systems. You know, again, just the amount of people who are put into prison who are um, black or of color, like or indigenous. It's like so disgusting and perverse, and just shows the very real systemic issues we have with race and how slavery has never really ended, or this concept of higher or lower or what's dangerous or what's not is hasn't really left so it's important we really understand really understand what is this or like why are we doing this and again i believe the oppressed oppressed people um this is in the examples within agriculture it's like um very quickly women you know the man became the word husbandry is like the owner of the household, the manager of the household. So he's the manager of his wife. He's the manager of his workers. He's the manager of his land. Um, and this is also, you know, a heavy thing to be a manager. You are in charge. There's a lot of pressure put on that manager, the person at the top. So it makes them do more and more, um, again, perverse things to, to or dysfunctional things to try and... Um, maintain that control and power and just be successful at it it means um yeah doing harmful things and so women were made less than and then uh women not maybe wanting to be you know the lowest became um in charge of slaves or in charge of you know you know other people and this just again this hierarchy becomes formed um so to understand this again just helps us unravel this uproot it just 
start opening and freeing our mind to um, to appreciate people, to um, again learn from people and to appreciate culture and heritage and tradition, other intelligences, other ways of life. Again, this is the real um, work that we're doing at Soul Together. It's like, look at all these incredible indigenous societies and like we will never understand the level of intelligence. We don't have access to it because, like, why should we? We're outsiders. But just even getting a taste of it, even, like, witnessing it or feeling, I know I definitely felt it. I mean, I felt it with every um, with every group that we've met, but with the Kogi in Colombia, like, wow, you realize there's a level of knowledge and depth that we just can't even take in um and it's because also we've been so conditioned um forced into the superficial reality you know we even it's funny because this podcast is called the deeper current podcast and i can't help but think about things deeply I, it's just like who i am i'm like why why is that i have to get to the truth i have to understand and so on but we have all of this languaging in our you know, modern society of like, oh, don't go off on the deep end. As in like, don't, you know, lose yourself. Don't be crazy. We have this biggest fear of being crazy, of not being normal. Um, and I've even been told like, oh, can't you just like lighten up? Can't you just talk about whatever? I'm like, oh, what? Like gossip? <laughs> like what? What do you want me to talk about? And I think it's just the nature of my work and holding space for people who open up to their deepest pain and fears and, and, and so forth for many, many cases, the very, very first time. The amount of times I've been witness to that and I've had the honor of holding space for that. It's like I can feel so easily what's underneath the surface and what someone, like the benefits of going there, like the deepening, like, because it just sets you free once again. You're not living in fear. Ooh, what does this person think of me? And how am I sounding? And will they like me? Will I be accepted? It's like you get to set yourself free from that again and again and again. You realize we are all, once again, dealing with so much more than we could ever understand and know. Um... And I think, again, this is the fear, right? The fear of so many people of really looking at racism, of colonialism, of all of this terror of human um, destruction and pain and um, all of this stuff that's just, whew, it's a lot. It's so much to take in um, because at, in some level, we don't feel like we were really, um, we really chose any of that. Um, that even our ancestors chose any of that and that we also at some point were oppressed were also denied our rights our um way of life we were also likely suppressed and you know women the greatest act of colonialism of of war of taking over has been to to rape women to like you know to dishonor families, to disconnect, to create this broken um, community and to kind of, um, yeah, I guess en enact power and will over. And I just, I don't see how these problems of rape, of, of you know, abuses of power, um, of 
you know, sexism, homophobia, um, racism, all the things, all the problems um, will ever really change unless we get to the root of um, this society, of civilization. Is this what we even want? Did most of us even choose this? And again, this is um, because we were never taught our own oppression <laughs> or I'll say like we were never taught, the, like I was never taught in school what Britain did. I was never taught about slavery within the UK. I was never taught about, um, you know, Britain's occupation in India, Britain's colonization of, you know, many places around the world. I was never taught that in school. It's been my own discovery and just shock of like, how was I not taught this this is like so necessary to be taught but no we're like taught about our kings and queens and these conquests and um these wars that were won and then we taught a lot about world war ii um because again we like you know we were the poor ones there we were the victims and we we overcame it and um you know this terror began in germany and so this is kind of the mindset that we have. Um, again, we weren't taught about our own um, oppression and what, like, you know, it's talked about Rome, Romans coming through. And I was also taught Celtic history in Wales, but I didn't really, it wasn't really understood. It wasn't really, um, it didn't really sink in in any way that um, we had these really, you know, valuable important ways of life these earth-based connected ways of life this way of honoring the feminine of honoring women and um this this whole sort of um people's history was erased and we're just seeing look at how great our civilization has become look how much we've invented discovered um and so forth and um it's also just the very real awakening. I mean, many of people I think have had and I had with um, what took place in under like the name of witch trials. It's just, again, this, we have no clear numbers of how many women across Europe and some men were um, killed under the name of the witch because no records, accurate records were kept. So there's wildly different figures. But I think it, it doesn't even matter because the exact numbers, it's just <laughs> the the actual overall, um, I think, uh, intention behind it was to subjugate people, to put people into fear. You didn't want to be called out as a witch, so don't have a voice. Don't um, you know, <laughs> naturally heal people with herbs or anything else. Um, don't have anything to say against um, the state or the church or you know call anything out like men suddenly had the power to uh, call out their wives they could say their wife was a witch um, if she wasn't you know falling into line if she wasn't doing what he said and so I think it just created this whole society of suppression of silencing uh, I heard someone once describe the domestication of wolves or dogs is the same as domestication of women. And that was such an intense thing to hear. And I just, again, fully understanding that and understanding why, you know, women circle after women circle week in, week out, like majority of women having this fear around their voice of being seen. Of course, it's a human fear, but it's also deeply... Um, 
female fear because we've been attacked for that. Um, and so, yeah, once we begin to unravel that, begin to understand this is what we lost. This is the fear. It's not just mine. I think this is how I have been able to help a lot of women um, and again, some men, but like uh, being able to help a lot of people kind of heal because I think we have a tendency to believe like this is my insecurity, this is my fear, this is just me. Um, but once we understand this greater history we've been part of, um, suppression, oppression we've been part of, that um, it's a very natural fear, it's an ancestral fear, it's a trauma that lives within us. Um, it's It's important to understand that and then we get to heal not only ourselves but this um collective we get to bit by bit be inspired by one another's courage to step out and use our voice to be seen um we don't allow this toxic um you know jealousy and idea of like taking each other down which again i think comes through civilization and through um you know, maybe even these witch trials of just like, you don't want to be caught out so you can call someone else out or uh, just taking someone down because you're, you know, if they have something more then I have something less rather than these like very integrated familial like villages where no one is your parent, everyone is your parent and everyone is your child. Everyone is part of this village and community life. This is very normal and real reality of many indigenous tribes and on our own ancestral <laughs> ways of life this was the way this is how you survive you cooperate you co-create you look after one another um this is part of it this is part of it and um there's just all these again these untruth myths of our deep history of where we come from that i i just catch all the time it's like I don't think in our indigenous tribes or in ancestral traditions that people had a fear of speaking out, of speaking their truth. There were councils for that. There were very real meetings for that. It was, again, a way of uh, everyone being heard. I think it was a way of survival. It was necessary. That became much later on, again, through um, oppression of just cancelling people's voices, the fear of then speaking out and um, being killed. <laughs> or tortured or both um so just again understanding understanding and something i also i probably have mentioned this before but it's something i hear all the time it's like become a very normal narrative like we come from these hunter gatherers that lived in fear of like the like the saber-toothed tiger constantly coming to attack them this is why as humans, modern humans, we're inherently in flight or fight mode and we live in anxiety and fear because we haven't evolved this um, animalistic brain. Um, so this is kind of what's repeated. It's like, I guess, in psychology, but it's just, I hear so many people, probably predominantly in the personal development and um, improvement, you know, personal improvement space. This is like repeated all the time, all the time. And I just like don't believe it's true <laughs> because um, the examples we have still today of hunter-gatherer tribes of indigenous people who live in the wild um, they are actually very calm people <laughs> they are alert 
they are hyper aware, they are actually hypersensory, they're able to be connected far more to what is going on in their environment. They're awake, they're attuned, they're listening, you know, they they need to be, right? <laughs> because um they're in the wild, anything could happen, but you become attuned and you're intelligent in the wild. Um and and this kind of this kind of anxiety or stress or um, fear that we have in the modern world. I think it's a modern invention. Again, this is my own theory, um, but it's just not the reality that I think our ancestors truly lived in. Again, they lived in alert. They lived in hyper um, awakeness. Like I, you know, they're just aware constantly. But I don't think it's the same as anxiety, stress, and fear, flight or fight mode. I just. Uh, doesn't even make sense to me um, ancestrally. I think it's um, again a modern invention of us. Uh, I think the the opposite, you know, us being disconnected from the wild <laughs> puts us into this anxious state. Being disconnected from our home and our land and our cultural traditions, our spiritual connection, our community, our sense of place, our sense of belonging makes us extremely anxious, <laughs> makes us fearful, makes us insecure. I haven't experience these kind of things when I've met with indigenous groups they just don't seem to have the same level of anxiety or stress or fear or existential crisis of who am I how do I belong they have like this deep again this is a generalization but I'll just use the example of um, Habatreza and Melena and the women we met from the Kogi tribe and also the Wayu tribe and also Suchuchil and Keche and in Guatemala and um, our research partner Gabriela discovered with Maria Paza in um, Peru and the Quiero Nation. It's like uh, you meet this level of self-assuredness, of sense of belonging, sense of place, of... Um, yeah, this just, I guess this deep knowing, this, again, this alertness, this, and it's funny, again, coming back to the, the d being afraid of d being deep or being like, oh, that's like something. It's like, I cannot tell you an indigenous person who's still connected, you know, again, to their sort of ancestry and their roots, and they're still very much within their community. They haven't been so maybe disrupted by colonization. It's not you know, there's been so many influences. Of course, we don't even know. Um, with some indigenous groups, they've been so influenced by outsiders, again, by missionaries, by charity work, by um, civilization. Um, they can't really, and we don't really know what they were like before all of that. But um, some of these groups that have been relatively left intact and are still very strong in their cultural identity and so on um they are only deep <laughs> i mean there's no like superficial chit chat in fact a lot of indigenous groups are you know live mainly in silence they will only speak if there's something really to speak about and they're attuned like telepathically you know they're attuned to body language they're attuned to um those feelings of the ecosystem what's going on and so um yeah there's a real level of depth and there's no fear of depth in fact 
it's so deep, like the cosmology, the understanding of the universe, of ancestors, of nature, of again, animism, everything being alive and have having a voice and a value and being in relationship with all things. It's like, it's deep and it's beautiful. But again, there's nearly like this discomfort <laughs> being, oh, went a bit deep there. <laughs> Let me bring it back to being light and easy and digestible and um, spoon fed and so on. <laughs> um, so I guess, I don't know, this is just an exploration and me sharing just some of the again the work and this journey and so on and I just thank you for listening to the deeper current podcast because um it says it in the title I had to go f I was just like that title became so clear to me like n n nearly all the project names and names of different um courses and events I've had they just became very clear knowing like this is the name um, and so I'm excited to continue on this deepening and exploration and know that the real change lies there um, and it ripples out into all things when we enter into those depths ourselves um, and we realize it's not so scary. It's actually you know, the freedom can be found there, the liberation, the the bliss, the joy, the true um Again, being alive, being awake, being really here on earth, um, not just going through the motions, not just uh, going along with what everyone else is doing or saying. We get to really show up in an authentic way because we've, you know, reached those depths. And it doesn't only have to come through pain and hardship and having you know, a lot of people go into the deep end because they are met, met by a very hard reality. Something painful happens, something traumatic happens, but that's not the only way to enter into the depths. We can also choose to go there. And the more I believe we go there and make it a practice, the more we'll also navigate all other like, experiences in life better. We'll be well equipped. So again, this incredible movement, uprising, revolution, change that is happening, um, by going deeper, we get to embrace it. We don't have to fear it. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's part of it. But we become comfortable with the uncomfortable. We learn to ride these waves with grace. We learn to, you know, be part of the change we wish to see in the world. It's like very um, important and necessary. I think we're getting a huge shakeup. We're, in, we're like kind of forced to by <laughs> the universe or whatever's going on, you know. Um, we're losing our maybe our security, our sense of knowing what's going to happen next. We have no idea what is going to come through this pandemic, what the next few years are going to be like with the economy and so on. And now, you know, the energy behind these protests, racial in, racial injustice, Black Lives Matter, this reclaiming of power of the people of rising up and saying no more, I, I just doesn't feel like it's going to stop. It feels like this is it. We, it's just, it's here. And so we better embrace it and be part of it. And again, show up in our own way, look after ourselves, be, you know, dedicated to self-care, self-nourishment, to make sure that we can give from the overflowing cup. It's not even about us. It allows us to show up and be, the best person for others and then trusting whatever our way is is important you know to reclaim history of the people to reclaim the power of the people is to honor also the mothers 
the nurses, the caregivers, the, you know, the gardeners, the people building homes, the people growing food, the just all the people, the cleaners, the, um, the you know, all these jobs and roles that have also been seen as less than in our society um, to be valued and upheld as the most sacred and honorable and um, to value those roles also and within ourselves um, also, right? It's important at this time just to honor our part, to take things back also, to like look at ourselves and our relationships <laughs> Um, and this be part of the bigger change like if we can take care of that can do really well by that and really show up um, and heal and so forth again the ripple effect can be felt we will show up differently in all ways and um, we need that I again I'm so I'm always amazed. People I come across who have no social media, who have no business or no, I don't know, you know, no like um, thing to sell or I don't know, but they have done this deeper work and you can feel the way they walk through the world. You meet some of these people, especially when I was traveling, I'd meet these people and I, and I meet them here also in this community uh, who just walk this walk and you just feel them and you are changed you're like reminded, oh yeah, this is a way of being here on earth. <laughs> and it's outside of the noise and the distraction and all the things. And it's like, um, yeah, beautiful. Um, so just knowing that just by us walking our walk differently, um, using our words artfully, you know, paying attention to the vocabulary and the sentences we use, it was a huge liberation for me. Um, really paying attention to what I say and how I say it. And I still catch myself on, especially when I'm writing um, and I'll try and reword things and make sure things feel um, true. It's like coming back to this understanding that we're casting spells with our language because we are, we are influencing people by the vocabulary we use. And so you know, even if we don't have a big following or a big, um, we're not famous or whatever, knowing that we are influential in our own life and to take that seriously, again, to show up for others. And again, this helps, this helps when we feel lost or alone and we feel unworthy and we just don't feel successful. We don't feel like we're winning this game of life well because we don't fit within the societal narratives. You know, the Jiddha Krishnamurti quote it's no sign of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. It's like, whew, yes. Um, so those people who maybe seem in, insane or depressed or others, oh, just they, they can likely feel broken and like probably connecting to something so much more real than most people that they feel lost. Like they don't know who to speak to. They don't know who to be and it's important to be reminded that there are community out there. There are people who will understand. There are people who will value and uphold you. Um, if you hear voices, if you see visions, if you experience extrasensory things, you're not crazy. You're not insane. You're not, um, yeah, lesser than. You're actually valuable and important to honor that as part of the experience and we we have done that in a long like a lot of that has happened within spirituality you know it's become so much more normal to talk about psychics or 
mediums or uh, yeah, all these different, you know, roles. But um, again, looking at the bigger mainstream society, it's still so weird and fringe and scary. And again, um, it's just, whew. and again, coming back around to, you know, the history, I just, there's, this, I think, the sense, um, for example, with transgender people, gender fluid, or um, queer people, people who don't fit within the binary, who don't fit within uh, the quote-unquote norm, understanding the amount of history and culture that um, exists of these people, that it's apparently uh, every indigenous native tribe in on Tidal Island had either three or five uh, genders recognized. And so this was a normal recognition and again these people were revered and honored and i think just understanding this history also exists all over the world and and throughout cultures there's many examples of this and it just helps understand um break free from this conditioning once again and this i think this idea sometimes that this is like a modern invention and people are just um you know acting out from a weird place it's like no this is a very human natural thing and we should also honor people honor all people um i think these forces that oppress um again it's all connected so to understand the roots to be able to come back to our communities is radical it is changing things you know just by um growing our own food <laughs> looking after our communities um, again, paying attention to the young and the old, and um, we're all doing our part in that way. So I hope this has been in many ways an encouragement to you, whatever you do. Um, I hope you feel, um, you know, able to channel all the uncomfortable, painful uh, things being revealed and shown um, into the greater good through your own way. Um, and if not, then this is an invitation just to keep to do so and know that you will become overwhelmed. You will feel lost or broken or um, if you can't channel that um, because it's a lot of information. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out if you want one-to-one -one support, if you want to be part of this um treasure of reclaiming our ancestral roots of looking at the amount of beauty um wisdom and knowledge through our ancestral traditions and indigenous traditions around the world um again come join us in the soul seed house this also becomes a very nice marriage of the you know anti-racism decolonizing um way which is a, a, you know necessary and and it can feel heavy and intense it's like to marry that alongside with the beauty that we get to reclaim and reconnect to and resacralize and and honor back into our lives and you know maybe deepen and like connect with our roots to more so like likely we've been attracted to many things like this once again but we get to now connect it all the way back to who we are and where we've come from and then again allow us to um you know create the change moving forward shape this better future um and then once again be valued and honored and respected for our part in this greater story um sending so much love to wherever you are in the world 
as always, look forward to hearing from you. I love, love receiving your messages and just hearing where you're at and what you took from each episode. It's, yeah, it mean, it's very meaningful and helps me keep going also on this journey. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And until next week, I hope you take care of yourself and um, learn how to ride with change. <laughs>